joints and his spine, as if body and mind were separating themselves from each other. He felt a sharp stab in his bladder and became aware that his breathing was rapid, panicky. What are you doing? Having a seizure? Enough hysterics. Breathe deeply, breathe deeply, he told himself. He stepped off the bus into the February air, a day of sudden cold, shivering and weak, breathing deeply as he had instructed himself. He was not dressed for it. Other people around him were wearing heavy woolen coats and gloves and scarves, as if they knew from practice and familiarity how cold it really was, which he, despite many years of living here, did not. Or maybe, unlike him, they listened to weather reports on the TV and radio, and then were only too happy to fetch the heavy garments they kept in their wardrobes for just such purposes. He was wearing the coat he wore for most months of the year, enough to keep off the rain and the chill, but not too warm when the weather was mild. He had never been able to make himself pile up clothes and shoes in a cupboard for different occasions and seasons. It was a habit of frugality he no longer needed to practice, but had never been able to break. He liked wearing out the clothes he was comfortable in, and liked to think that if he saw himself approaching, he would recognise himself from the clothes he wore. On that cold February evening, he was paying for his abstemiousness, or tight-fistedness, or asceticism, whichever it was. It was his restlessness, perhaps, the habit of mind of a stranger unreconciled to his surroundings, dressing light so he could throw the coat off quickly when the time came to move on. That was what he thought it was, the cold. He was improperly dressed for his own stupid reasons, and the cold was making him tremble out of control, with an inner trembling that made him feel that the timbers of his body were about to give way. Standing at the bus stop, at a loss about what to do, he heard himself groan and understood that he was beginning to lose track of events, as if he had dozed for a moment and woken up again. When he forced himself to move, his arms and legs were boneless, and he breathed in short, heavy sighs. His feet were leaden and numb, opening up into stinging cracks of frozen flesh. Perhaps he should sit down and wait for the spasm to pass, but no, he would have to sit on the pavement and would be taken for a derelict, and he may never be able to get up again. He forced himself to move on, taking one laborious step after another. It was now important to get home before he ran out of strength, before he fell down in this wilderness where his body would be torn to pieces and scattered. The walk from the bus stop to his home usually took him seven minutes, five hundred steps or thereabouts. He counted sometimes to drown out the racket in his head, but on that evening it must have taken longer. It felt as if it was taking longer. He was not even sure if his strength would last. He thought he passed people, and at times he staggered and had to lean against a wall for a few minutes or seconds. It was no longer possible to tell. His teeth were chattering, and he was sweating heavily by the time he reached the door, and, after opening it, he sat down in the hallway, allowing the heat and the nausea to overwhelm him. He could not remember anything for a while. His name was Abbas, and, although he was not aware of it, his entrance had been noisy. His wife Mariam heard him fumbling with the keys, and then heard him bang the door shut, when usually he slipped in quietly. Sometimes Mariam was not even aware that he was home, until he stood before her, smiling because he had caught her out again. It was one of his jokes making her jump, as she always did, because she had not heard him come in. That evening, Mariam started from the noise of the keys in the door, and felt a moment of quite ordinary pleasure at his arrival, and then the door banged, and she heard him groan. 
When she went out to the hallway, she saw him sitting on the floor just inside the door, his legs open in front of him. His face was wet with sweat. He was panting for breath, and his eyes were opening and shutting in confusion. Mariam knelt beside him, saying his name. Oh, no! Abbas, Abbas, what is it? Oh, no! She took his hot, wet hand in hers. His eyes closed as soon as she touched him. His mouth was open as he struggled for breath, and she saw that the insides of his trouser legs were wet. I'll call an ambulance, she said. She felt his hand tighten slightly on hers, and then, after a moment, he said, groaning, No. Then, in a whisper, he said, Let me rest. She sat back on her heels and waited beside him, alarmed by his helplessness and unsure what to do. His body heaved in a spasm of pain or nausea, and she said his name again, tightening her hold on his hand. Then, after a short while, she began to feel his agitation subsiding. What have you done?